we're seeking to understand our place in the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he brought about a, a new life and a new reality. And so we're studying this life in the kingdom of God. Let's remember what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ has come. And because he has come, the kingdom of God has come. And for those of us who believe, the kingdom of God has come into our lives and is now growing. It's growing in us and then through us. The kingdom of God is growing in the world. And we get to be a part of that. And a big part of that that we get to join in is through prayer. And so right now, we, we are studying the kingdom prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And today, we're going we're gonna to understand how it is we, we pray with kingdom hope. Now, I'm about to give you a definition. And if you don't get this, you will not understand the rest of the sermon. So, so if someone around you is asleep, go ahead and awaken them. Let them know this is important. And, and then they can go back to, to sleep. But this is, this, is, this is crucial if you're going to get this, all right? So understand, kingdom hope is... Ooh, turn me up. Is the gospel. Kingdom hope is the gospel. So when we think about three circles and, and we see that, 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 symbol, that symbol for gospel, that picture, because Christ came down and lived a holy life, because he died on the cross, because on the third day he was raised. Now we can have forgiveness of sin and we can have a relationship with the risen Christ. So, so what we experience is not only forgiveness, but this new life. And that produces one of the great benefits of the kingdom of God, which is peace. There are many things that kingdom hope brings. There's many things the gospel brings. There's many things that the kingdom of God, when the Lord Jesus is reigning and ruling, that, that happen. One of, the, one of the greatest blessings of all is peace. And we have peace with God. We have peace with God because he forgives us. We have peace with God because he restores our relationship with him so that we can grow in him and with him. We are very much like the, the prodigal son. You guys know that, that story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. We, we all sinned. We, we turned away from God. And what that young man wanted was what everyone seems to want in the world today, power, pleasure, popularity, position. And so what he basically said was, dad, I wish you were dead and I want your stuff. I don't want you. I want your stuff. And so he took it and he ran away. And as is always the case, power, pleasure, popularity, positions, sooner or later, it runs dry. Sooner or later, it stops to provide. Sooner or later, there's just not enough of it because they're created things. And this young man thought to himself, I have a father who is gracious I have a father who, who will bless me and who can bring blessing to my life. And so he returned to the father. But look what the father did. This was amazing. Uh, you got to understand, in the ancient Near East, when they heard this story, they gasped. <gasps> they, they couldn't believe. Look, look what happened here. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And look what he did. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. He humiliated himself. Men in that culture didn't run. They didn't show their legs. They didn't show that kind of exuberance. They certainly didn't embrace someone that had humiliated themselves and their family. And they certainly did not bestow upon them the, 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 the gift of, of peace, that kiss of peace. It was unheard of. But more than that, more than just the forgiveness, more than just the, I love you, I forgive you, it's okay. Look what else he did. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, 
and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. What was he saying? We have a right relationship with now. He's identified with me. Put my robe on him. Give him the the signet ring of our family so everyone who sees him knows that he belongs to us and put shoes on his feet because we got work to do. There's more for us to to, to get done. And this is what God does with us. He not only forgives us, he gives us a right standing within his family. We are identified with him. We are clothed in Christ. We have a place in, in God's family and we have work to do and we grow in Christ as we experience this forgiveness and this relationship. And the peace that God has given to us is a peace that we are to share with others. It comes by our gospel this powerful gift. It comes by kingdom hope. It comes by what only Christ can do. Uh, John Stott, the, the great scholar, wrote, once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of, of our offense against God, we find the injuries which others have done to us by comparison extremely trifling. See, here's what happens. When you understand the great grace of God, you find the strength and the hope and the absolute happiness to give forgiveness to others. And, and you're, you're not too proud to ask for forgiveness because of the great grace that you have been given. You're, 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 you're happy to say, I was wrong, please forgive me. Or when someone comes to you and says, I'm wrong, you're happy to forgive them. And that's why Jesus teaches us in our text today to pray about gaining and giving forgiveness. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be in verse 12 in particular, and we're going to see, we're going to see how we are to pray with this kingdom hope and, and how it is to impact our real, real relationships. And so, uh, Colton, if you don't mind, come up, and he's going to read the entire prayer. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 6, He's going to read verses 9 through 13. Our focus first is verse 12, but let's, let's look at the whole prayer. Go ahead and read that for us. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Colton. If you would go ahead and be seated and and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Remember this. Remember this. This is so important. Three things in particular. This is is not in your outline. This is just, I want you to, as we're getting started thinking about this, remember this. Forgiveness is a natural outflow of the gospel. It's just what comes out of those who believe in the gospel. Colossians 3.12 Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also, look at this, so you also must forgive. Not ought to, must forgive. Understand forgiveness, it's a natural outflow of the gospel. It's also God's expectation. God expects it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's powerful. 
That's important. You need to understand what that means. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But, but there is a very serious and a very strong condition there. Again, forgiveness, it, it's an overflow of the gospel. It's expected by God. And it frees us to pray with confidence. It says in Matthew 5, 23, So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is, is helping us understand when we don't have peace with other people, when there's conflict that's unresolved, our worship, our, our sacrifice of praise, uh, the other things that we might do for him are going to be contaminated with that lack of forgiveness. And it's problematic. And, and it leads to ineffectiveness in our own spiritual life. The gospel of God, this great grace, it, it, this, this forgiveness that we receive from God, it, it's meant to flow out into our other relationships. It's expected by God. And, and when, we, when we use it and we exercise this peacemaking and the forgiveness that God gives to us by giving it to others, we become more effective in, in the work that God calls us to, specifically in prayer and worship. And in what it means to be a Christian. Now, Jesus teaches us how to pray with this peace and forgiveness. Uh, the commentator wrote this, and I, I want to really highlight this because there's a real theological issue at stake here that I want to make sure you understand. He wrote, the saint must confess sin as well as the sinner. This is a daily necessity. We sin daily, but this recognizes God's forgiving grace to cover all sin. Yet, very important point. It is conditioned by our forgiving spirit. When you see that, that command, must forgive, when, it's, when you read in verse 15 of Matthew 6, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. When, when you see the seriousness of how a lack of forgiveness impacts our relationship with God, that should raise serious concern in your own heart. And it speaks to a very serious theological understanding of grace. And, and the way I would say this to you, and I hope that you can take it, is this. If we are saved, we are always saved. That's a big if. You say, how can I know? Well, just go to John 15. Jesus said, abide in me and you will produce much fruit. If you're not abiding in Christ, it's because you don't know Christ. But if you know Christ and you love Christ, you're going to obey Christ. And there's going to be a transformation of your life. And if that transformation is taking place, you can have confidence. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And I'm going to read this statement twice. And I want you to listen very closely. And I want to speak to this. Our relationship and standing with God does not change with our lack of forgiveness on our part. Our relationship with God doesn't change because we're not willing to forgive someone else. But our experience of God is not what it is meant to be when we have an unforgiving heart. So things aren't the, the way they should be between us and God and other people if we're not forgiving. Let me say it again. Our relationship and standing with God does not change with a lack of forgiveness on our part. We are saved by grace. And we, that salvation is, perseveres in the hands of God. But our experience of God is not what it is meant to be when we have an unforgiving heart. When, when we refuse to forgive the way Christ has commanded us to, we're like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, let me refresh your mind on that story. Again, remember the, the, the younger brother went away. Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me, my, give me your money. Give me that. I want power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. It runs dry. He comes home. His father humiliates himself, gives him grace and forgiveness and restores that relationship. 
but the older brother doesn't. The older brother is mad. He won't come in for the celebration. He won't acknowledge what what the father has brought. And so we we read in verse uh, 28 of Luke 15, but he, speaking of the older brother, he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He would not forgive his younger brother. And his lack of forgiveness shows a lack of love he had for his father. See, if he truly loved his father and appreciated his grace, he would have went to the brother and said, I'm mad at you and we're going to need to talk about that. But out of my love for our father, welcome home. We need to talk because I've got some questions for you and we need to resolve some things. But out of my love for the father and the grace he's given to me, welcome home. But what he ended up doing was was ruining that relationship with his brother and hurting his relationship with his father. And when we don't forgive people, we hurt our relationship with God. It doesn't doesn't break the relationship with God, it harms it. it. It's not what it is meant to be. So what Jesus is saying here is, look, if you're not gonna forgive other people, there's gonna be a real problem in our relationship. It's not gonna go well because you're not honoring God and you're not experiencing all that he commands and demands. There's peace, there's peace that is needed. And what the gospel, what our kingdom hope does, it gives us peace with God, peace within and peace with others. And that's how we are to pray. And that's what our text teaches us. So two things, these two very important areas, I would encourage you to write down and remember that kingdom hope, kingdom hope enables us to pray with peace in our, first of all, our souls, in our souls, in us, that peace in us. That's why Jesus said we are to pray and forgive us our debts. Each day, as we pray, we are to seek peace in our souls through confession. We are to daily to come before God in confession of sin. It's a normal part of the Christian life, and it's necessary. Look what it says in 1 John 1. Now remember, 1 John 1 was written to Christians. He was not writing to lost people. He was writing to the church. He was writing to Christians. And look what he said here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Please understand that our sin in Christ is completely forgiven. Once we repent and believe the gospel, our sin is forgiven, but we're still in the flesh. We're still in a fallen world and we're still dealing with sin. And if, <laughs> and if you're not dealing with sin, that's because you're ignoring it, not because it's not there. The, 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 the gospel writer here, the apostle John makes it clear. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we say we have no sin. Look at this first time. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, making us new, growing the kingdom of God in us, growing in Christ. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Friends, one of the easiest deceptions in the world is self-deception. And what the scripture is making very clear here is that there's not a single person on this planet who is without sin. And if you think you are, it's because you're deceived. What happens when you're saved, it prepares you for a lifelong growth in Christ-likeness through confession. The day you're saved is the day of your first confession. Again, let's work through the three circles. Stay with me here. Think about this with me. Make sure that this is happening in your life. We understand God's design, that we broke it with our sin, which created brokenness. 
And the day, the first time we repented and believed the gospel to, to gain forgiveness for our sins and a right relationship with Jesus, we were saved to pursue and recover God's design. But that wasn't the end of it. That was just the beginning. We get forgiveness and restoration of relationship so that relationship can grow. And the way it grows is the closer we get to God, the more sin we realize is still at work in our flesh. And so the more we walk in the light, the more we see, we see, you know, some of the, some of the things that, that aren't so good about us, the sin that's still there that needs to be cleaned up. And so we repent and believe the gospel not to be saved, but to grow closer and more like Jesus. And so we confess our sin. We confess what's going wrong so that we can find forgiveness and draw closer to God. And the closer we get to God, well, the more light, the more aware we are of sin, which leads to more repentance and a closer relationship with God that reveals more light. And so you see, it's a whole process of growth. And this happens in confession. Now, do you know how to do that? Do you know and do you have a model that you follow for confession? There's one found in Psalm 51. Let me show you this real quick. Psalm 51 provides a, a, a step-by-step process in confession. This is, this is by King David. And, and this has been very helpful to me for, for many, many years. Notice what he does. Let's walk through this step-by-step. Step. So beginning verses one through two, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my, from my sin. Notice what he's depending on. God's steadfast love. The, the, the Hebrew word for that, 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 those two words is a single word. It's kesed. And it means many things. It means love and mercy and grace and power to redeem and to rescue and to restore. It is a loaded word. And so this steadfast love is what we're depending on when we come to our confession. We, we are saying to God, God, we know your great grace that is greater than all of our sin. And that's why we have confidence to come to you. Then he says, verse three, for I know my transgressions. Now, the only way you're going to know your transgressions is if you know the word of God and if you're walking closely with Christ. Because if you're comfortable with where you are spiritually, you're not walking closely with Christ. You're never going to be comfortable in your relationship with Christ. So long as you're walking closely with him, you're always going to see the need for growth. And so David seeing his sin, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Yes, our sin does impact other people, but first and foremost, it impacts God. And all the other consequences, they, they get lived out, but it is first and foremost against God so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. <laughs> Look what he says here. Behold, I was brought forth iniquity. God, I was born to sin. I was born in sin. I was born to sin. That's why it's so natural, so easy. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. As we are, as we are pursuing and recovering God's design, we become aware of that sin. And, and we are happy to confess it. We are happy to ask for God's blessing. And the blessing is this, holiness. Look in verse seven. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, my, let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What what is he saying? God, I want to be more like Jesus. I I want more of you. I want less of me. I want you to change me. I want to be transformed. It begins with the confidence to know that God will. It, it, It is empowered through our confession to understand our need. And then we go and we seek God's transforming power through the kingdom hope, through the gospel. Friends, only God can change our heart. Only God can change our desires. And we must ask him to. And you know what will happen when he does? We'll find ourselves being so grateful. Friends, how grateful are you today? This morning when you woke up, how grateful were you? How many of you were grateful it was Sunday that you get to come and praise the Lord? How many of you were grateful to walk in and say, with with great gratitude and thankfulness in my heart, I've come to sing praise. See, the, the level and the strength of your gratitude comes from an understanding of the power of the grace you've received. See, if if you're deceived and you just think, I just need a little bit of Jesus. And you know, I got saved and you know, I'm I'm good enough. Well, no, you're not going to be grateful. Your gratitude is directly connected to your understanding of the great grace that has been bestowed upon you. And the more grateful you are, the more grace you want to give. And friends, that's a big part of the gift is not only does God give us grace, but then we are to give it to others. And I know that's hard. I know that many of you are here today And some of you even messaged me this week to say, oh no, this one's a hard one for me. Forgiveness, I know I I need to forgive. Before I walk through the steps with you on forgiveness that the Bible outlines, let let me tell you something I've learned. Let me encourage you to, to avoid a mistake. Many of you right now, you need to forgive someone. And you're having difficulty doing it. And here's why. Because you're focused on them and what they've done. Stop doing that. Stop focusing on them and what they've done. Instead, focus on Jesus and what he's done for you. Stop focusing on the person who hurt you. Stop focusing on how that person hurt you. Focus on Jesus. And think about how much he has loved you and how he has forgiven you. And then... Just give them what he gave you. Just give it to them. Just give them this great grace that is greater than all your sin. Give them the great grace that is greater than all their sin against you. And rather than trying to figure out why and and, and how and what's, just grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Rather than focusing on the person and all the problems, focus on God and his goodness to you. Kessid this steadfast love. And then, and then you can live it out. And see, that's the second part. See, kingdom hope enables us to pray with peace in our relationships. So we say, forgive us our debts, but we can also say, as we also have forgiven our debtors. When we are saved, we gain a whole new life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if, in, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Jesus said in John 3, you're born again. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and look and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We now have the responsibility to tell others of the grace that God's given to us. And we are to administer, we are to share that by being peacemakers. Peacemakers. And God's way of peacemaking, it's described in Matthew chapter 18. Let me read the steps and then I want to talk to you about them. This is Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. If you're going to make peace, here's how you do it. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen then to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Friends, I want to tell you, all of our ministers and elders are trained peacemakers. We have all studied this. Reg, you know, regularly, yearly, we go through another training through this. And so ministers, pastors, and elders can help you. You do need to understand that the forgiveness that's talked about here is within, it's within the bounds of the church family. If this is outside the church family, you may have to get other authorities, but the, the church is represented by the elders. And so there are steps that you can take, and, and this can get overwhelming, especially if this is kind of new to you. And so something we're going to do Saturday morning, if you are a young adult, if you're in your 20s, we want you to come here for a breakfast training. And we've got four of our counselors who are going to be here to help walk you through kind of where you are in life and the, and the unique challenges of peacemaking that you have. So some of you are nearly and newly married. You're thinking you're going to get married. Listen, talk to any, anybody that's been married more than five years. They're going to tell you, you need peacemaking. So there are people, those of you who've been married more than five years, would you, with the testimony of an amen, would you say, uh, yeah, you need to learn how to argue and forgive each other if you're going to make it. Can I get an amen? You see, I don't think you're passionate enough about it. I don't think you believe it. I think, come on. If you need peacemaking, let me hear an amen. amen. See, I thought somebody's going to stand up and point, and I was going to get to have a Tony Evans moment. Come on. This is, so young adults, this is serious stuff. And it's not just for those who are getting married. Listen, friends, family, things start falling apart real fast at your stage in life. And we want to help you with this. Now, let me just lay out the steps. First step, go to the person. You, you two talk. If that doesn't resolve it, you get two or three others that you both respect, and then you talk with them. If that doesn't work, you go to the elders. And, and then if the elders aren't able to do it, th then, we have to, then we have to take harder actions. But that typically doesn't happen when the right heart is applied, when the right attitudes are there. Most of the time, what we as elders have to do is that we have to, we have to really negotiate more of the component parts in the process. So there are four things. I've already posted this on social media. I'm sure that'll be on our, our, our uh, church-wide Facebook as well. Just listen to me is all I'm saying. Don't write this down. If you, if, I mean, you can do what you want to do. But here's, just listen to, to, to the attitude, the, the, the way you need to approach these three things. The first one is, everything you say, everything you do, glorify God. When you're going to that person one-on-one, -on -one, when you're going to the group, if you have to, the whole goal is not for you to win the argument. The goal is not for you to get what you want. The goal is to glorify God. 
Secondly, get the log out of your own eye. Get the log out of your eye. Listen, every conflict has two parts. And everyone has a part. Now, you may be responsible for 1% of the conflict, but you are 100% responsible for even that 1%. And you got to deal with what's in your eye. Third, gently restore. Gently restore. It's not about winning. It's about being restored in that relationship so you can grow together, so you can go forward together. Think about your relationship with Jesus. The Lord Jesus forgave you and gave you a right standing with him, and you grow from there. In your relationships, if it's been broken by sin and there needs to be peace restored, you're going to have to start from where you are. There's got to be forgiveness, but then you're going to have to grow from where you are. And that's what this, this, it requires gentle restoring. And then last, go and be reconciled. Forgive. Forgive each other. Make things right. Now, I want to tell you, I've seen people walk through these steps with the wrong heart. And I've seen people seek out what they they said they wanted. But we've come to realize there's, there's two different things at play here. And I want you to really hold on to this. Never forget this. There is a huge difference between peacemaking and peace faking. There's peace making and there's peace faking. Peacemaking resolve, results in resolve, resolved relationships. The sin obstacles are, obstacles are dealt with. They're spoken to, they're forgiven. And there's restoration so that now there's a relationship that you can grow from. Peace faking, there's ongoing frustration, disrespect, and growth of problems. And and there's no growth in the relationship because there's not been a foundation. There's been nothing settled. Here's what you got to understand. If you're peace faking, you're causing more problems. I am a terrible counselor. I am glad to counsel people, but I always tell people before they talk to me for counseling, I am a preacher. And I am probably going to preach to you for one hour. So if you set up a one-hour counseling appointment with me, just know I'm going to preach to you for probably 57 minutes. Because here's what typically happens is I typically see what's going on. And here's what happens. People come in and they say, here's what we're arguing about. And, I, and so I'm not a smart person. So, okay, we're going to talk about this. But then all of a sudden I realize we're talking about an argument about the argument. People start arguing, well, well, I didn't like the way he said this. I, well, you know what she did? Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about this. No, 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 we got to talk about how we argued, which leads to another argument. And now I'm arguing, I'm getting mad, right? So, so now everybody's mad. Listen, with, when there's peace faking, there's no peace. It just looks, appears, when there's no reality to it. How can you know if there's genuine peacemaking. You can make and keep four promises. There are four promises you can make and keep. The four promises of forgiveness. The first one is, I will not dwell on this incident. Doesn't mean you'll forget it. What it does mean, if someone were to bring it up to you, you would have to say, wait a minute, I got to remember. I maybe need to go at my notes. I maybe need to go read that email again because I don't remember all the details because I I don't dwell on this incident. Secondly, I will not bring this incident up and use it against you. You always, you never, you remember that time you, no. If you have given forgiveness, you started a new foundation and you got to grow from it. 
what you can't do is bring in that old stuff and contaminate the new. You've got to, and if you can't, you're not, you didn't make peace. It's fake. It's not peacemaking. It was peace faking. Third, I will not talk to others about this incident. Not even in prayer requests. Oh, would you please pray for this person? Because, you know, let me tell you all the ways that they're wrong and I'm right. Let, let me tell you, oh, I, I'm just, we're just praying. We're just, no, you're not. You're gossiping. No, you're not. What you're doing is you're building a case to cause pain and problems to other people. That's not going to produce peace. That's going, that's peace faking. You don't talk to other people. You don't cre- create a case to other people. It's one-on-one or it's with a group, but it's always respectful. It's always gentle. It's always God-honoring. And then the fourth one, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. If it's causing problems, it wasn't peacemaking, it's peacemaking. If there's no way, if there's no growth, if there's no development, there was no peacemaking, it's peacemaking. Now, something important also to remember. We cannot control how others are going to respond. Let me give you the 12s. Let me give you the 12s. It's not 12 things. It's actually two verses that are in chapter 12 that have helped me sleep many, many nights when, when there's been conflict and, and, and there's been hurt. This has helped me tremendously. The first one is Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If you can know that you know that you have desired peace, and you have made yourself available, and you have sought it, you can sleep. For me, if I know that I I haven't been unwilling to listen, unwilling to humble myself, unwilling to engage, well, as far as it's up to me, I've blown it. I can't control what everybody else is going to do. I got to control me. I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you. It may be 1%. You're 100% responsible for that 1%. And as much as it's up to you, live peaceably. The second one is Hebrews 12. So it's Romans 12 and Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Friends, if you let anger and resentment and frustration grow, it's like a weed. And you can't piece fake and cut it off and it looks like it's gone. You got to tear it out from the root. You got to dig it out. And you got to deal with it. Now, you have to deal with your heart. You can't, you, you can't control what other people are going to do. As it pertains to others, when people do not respond, please don't underestimate the hurt they are feeling. Give them time. Don't underestimate the hurt that they are feeling. You may be ready to talk. They may need time. Give them time time. Respect that. That's that's the thing. Don't underestimate the lack of trust they have for you. If you've hurt them, or if there's been any kind of hurt in the past with others, maybe they may put that on you. Listen, respect them enough to, to give them time to deal with the trust issues. You can't control that. You can't control how they're going to respond. But Don't underestimate the hurt they're feeling. Don't underestimate the lack of trust they have. And don't underestimate the space they need. Give them access without making demands. 
here's how you do that. You say, look, I'm willing to meet. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to limit the number of demands I'm making on you. I'm just going to say, I'm available to meet. I'm not going to have any requirements of you. I'm not going to say, you better do this, this, and that. No. I, I'm, I'm not going to underestimate the pain you're feeling. I'm not going to underestimate the trust that's been lost. And, and I'm not going to underestimate the space that you need. Friends, peacemaking is not easy. But it is, it is one of the great blessings that come because of our kingdom hope. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I keep doing this when I talk about this prayer. Forgive us as we have forgiven others. There is a vertical and a horizontal means and function of peacemaking. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. What's this the sign of? The sign of the what? The cross. Whenever you see the cross, remember, remember peace with God, peace with others. Peace with God, peace with others. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Peace with God, peace with others. The grace that God has given to us, we can give to others. I finish with this, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You cannot do that if you do not have peace with God. You've got to have peace with God to make peace with others. Let's pray. Father God, I cannot help but know that there are some who are here today who do not have peace with you. They have never repented. They've never admitted their sin. They've never asked you to forgive them. Maybe they believe in you. Maybe they understand the facts of the cross and the resurrection. But Lord God, you have commanded that we confess our sin and to believe to be saved. And I pray that right now that there are some that will right now be saved. And that's, if that's you, here's what you do right now. Tell God that you're sorry for your sin. Ask him to forgive you and to take over and give you new life. And you will be saved and you need to come and talk with us about what's next because you're just beginning a journey. Some of you are forgiven, but you need help. You need God to guide you, to guide you in peacemaking. Ask right now, ask God to guide you. Ask God to give you the courage to believe in the great grace that he's given so that you can give it to others. And in as far as it is up to you, if, if you are owning your sin, if you're owning your part, if you're glorifying God, if you are seeking peace to the best of your ability and you need help, ask for help. And please don't pray for the other person. Pray, pray for you. You're responsible for you. What help do you need? What humility do you need? What, what courage, what conviction, what trust in God's plan and process do you need to glorify him, to get the, to get the, the, the plank out of your eye? to gently restore, to go and be reconciled. Father, we are so thankful for your kindness, for your steadfast love, that kessed, kessed miracle that you provide. 
Lord, I pray for some today who need to be saved, that they will have peace with you, that you will forgive them of their debts. And Lord, I pray for your, your redeemed people that we will forgive one another and we will forgive our debtors if you've, as you have commanded. And there will be great grace and love and peace and growth and, and, and renewal and hope and delight and joy and glory to your great name. All because of the gospel, all because of our kingdom hope. It is truly wonderful to have peace. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.